You're listening to Hey Man. Welcome, everyone. My name is Avi Klein. I'm a psychotherapist, and I'm joined by my co-host, the novelist, Sam Graham Felsen. And each week, we're going to answer your questions and hopefully get a few of ours answered as well. And today, we're going to do it with the help of a guest. And our guest is Polly Steinman. Polly is the owner of South Brooklyn Weightlifting Club, which he uh, owns and runs with his wife, uh, Rebecca. And he is uh, heavily involved in USA Powerlifting. Uh, He's a member of the executive committee there, uh, one of the coaches and an instructor uh, for the coaching courses there. Uh, And so if you you like lifting weights, uh, this is a good conversation. But I should also add that what was really cool about talking with Polly uh, is just the guy had, has a really wild story, a really interesting background, a really, um, meandering kind of career. He worked in film for a long time and then left that, um, and started, uh, like a t-shirt making, uh, company. And then from there, uh, opened his gym, but in the process, uh, also, uh, more or less lost everything and uh, was uh, about as close to homeless as a person can get because he was living out of his gym. Anyways, it was cool to talk to him. I think we all kind of have that fear of like what would happen if I tried something and failed. And he does not have that because he's lived through uh, some really difficult experiences. So I found it really inspiring. He definitely has a coach's vibe, which is... uh, a mix of tough love and instilling confidence. Um, and the advice question is a really funny one, I think. It's not funny. It's not funny. We talk about hair loss. Uh, I can say it's funny because uh, I'm going through hair loss. I don't have a lot of hair right now anyway. So it's funny, you know? Uh, it hurts your confidence. What are you going to do? Um, and uh, Polly more or less brings the same approach as a coach to giving advice. Um and I think that's good. It helps you get over yourself. Don't worry about it so much. So anyways, I hope you enjoy. Give it a listen and uh, peace. You have you have some personal experience yeah, so this I club, know you right? Because <laughs> I was really briefly a member, although it was like a really, uh, I'm kind of bummed that I, I can't go there right now. I don't have the time and I don't live near it. Um, but I thought it was such an awesome place, which is why I thought of you to invite you on because... It's a pretty cool gym. In yeah, my... yeah. It's it's different. I mean, it's different. We've always set it up to be different. Um, right off the bat, we don't play music. Mm-hmm. We don't have mirrors. Um, yeah. There's it's 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 just a different vibe um, coming in there. And like the vibe of the, so like my I have like a checkered sports history. That's like a pretty sad sports history, but. Um, my experience of going to gyms is like, it's sort of a, yeah, like there's the music, there are the mirrors. And like, I always felt like everybody knew what they were doing and I didn't know what I was doing. And I, and, and that like made me feel bad and I never really wanted to work out. And everyone at your place is like really friendly. It's like really diverse. There's like a lot of different people in different body types. And, um, I don't know that like, that felt really good to me, made me feel more comfortable there. 
Is that intentional? I well, I mean, it's not. You know, we we have we don't have a ton of control on on, on who comes sure. in the door, <laughs> but I mean, we we work really hard to kind of build and enforce our culture, mm-hmm. um, which is very kind of open and accepting. We want people like we don't want there to be a barrier for someone to come in if they want to be strong and yeah. they want to train. And you know, I think my the tagline that I always have is that it's Brooklyn. <laughs> it's a, you yeah. know, and 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 I feel like. To to a to a good degree, our our gym represents a cross section of Brooklyn. Yeah, um, you know we have a lot of different professions that come in there, and you're right. A lot of we have a full age range. I mean, we have as young as 14, and you know people up into now people in their late 60s. That's um, awesome. And then we have a you know full range of genders and you know whatever else. It's yeah. just. Like and for us, you know, we we tend to like everybody kind of gets lumped together as a lifter. Mm-hmm. So we we let all of those other distinctions fade away and um, let just people come in and, and and be strong and be comfortable in being strong and kind of get away from some of the um, some of the issues that they may have experienced at other gyms and you know just be happy. So I mean, my 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 life is taking a lot of turns. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, I could I could easily say that that starting the gym is my third career, my third life. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, I graduated from film school at NYU, and I worked in the film industry for a while, um, for a long while. It was over over ten years, and then um, I started a screen printing and embroidery uh, company factory with my with my wife in Red Hook, Brooklyn. Somewhere along the line, I I needed a break, and I wanted to get stronger. Um, probably because I missed the physical activity of, of being a grip in mm-hmm. the, in the film industry. So I, um, and just, just briefly, yeah. can you tell our listeners what a grip is yeah, for people not that. in the industry? <laughs> people still don't know what a grip is. I know what it is. My brother, my brother works in LA, so, but yeah, tell us. So, yeah. so grip, a grip in, in, you know, a grip is a stage hand, essentially a stage hand for the film industry. So they're, they're responsible for for safety on the film set they're responsible for uh, equipment staging they're responsible for movement and placement of the camera mm-hmm. and they work with uh, all the other departments to make sure that the day gets done so you're doing a lot of farmers carries yeah there's a lot of <laughs> farmers carries i remember when i first started so i mean the grip you know i was in the union for for a while too and it's very kind of like old world style kind of building you up so you start as a third grip and what that basically means is that pretty much you spend the day moving sandbags from a to b and then back to a again and then maybe to b again and depending if the key grip is angry at you or not you know you might have to move them again or or moving sheets of plywood or moving a 400 pound camera dolly up six flights of stairs um I've, i've done all of that so you were already a pretty strong dude yeah, and prior to that, I um, I, I practiced judo uh-huh. as a teen um, because somewhere along the line, I was a smaller guy, uh-huh. and um, I used to get into a lot of fights. Uh-huh. So just because people would pick on me because I look different and so on and so forth, I'm, I'm mixed, so I'm half um, Vietnamese, half um, American, Russian, that kind of thing. So you know, growing up in the 80s, people weren't as used to that or as yeah. exposed to that. So yeah, there were a lot of fights, and my mom thought it would be a good idea to enroll me in judo where'd Can, you grow up again i grew up in um well at that point where i, where I was fighting it was in long island new york <laughs> so it was a very very kind of like kind of singular neighborhood 
Okay. Yeah. My mom's from uh, Levittown. Yep. Which is, yeah, so it's right there. I don't know if you consider that typical Long Island, but that's uh, Levittown is you know the, the first suburb in America. Yeah. It's uh, All the houses looked exactly the same. But Yeah, it was very homogenized, <laughs> you know, even, even growing up, um, you know, in the, in the 80s. And, and um, you know, it's just, uh, I, I stood out and, and people would pick on me. So there weren't many mixed, mixed race kids at your school? No, no, yeah. not at all. Especially yeah. not, like, because I was kind of like first, um, my parents met in Vietnam. My dad was a, um, he was a journalist uh, working for NBC News and we met my mom there. And, um, you know, so, so being, I was born in 1970. And so kind of being like first generation Amerasian, like, uh, you know, post Vietnam war. Now it's obviously this is a lot more prevalent, but, you know, it's like back then it was it was a little bit more uh, unique. Mm -hmm. So do people uh, do people sort of call you the kind of names that you, you you stereotypically hear, you know, from Vietnam War movies and stuff like that? Did they? Did they did they even know the difference between Vietnamese and other types of Asian? Did you get no? Like, in yeah. fact, that's part of the reason why I got into fights with people because I would correct them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, would, I would tell them I was like I'm not I'm not this I'm that and, uh -huh. and and you know they would they would get flustered and so the next step would be to fight. Yeah. So I remember uh, when I was in sixth grade, um, I was one of the only white kids in my school, and and I was good friends with one of two Vietnamese kids in the school. There were no other Asian kids. There were just two Vietnamese kids in my school. But, of course, everyone called them Chinese. Yeah, that uh, happened all the time. And they hated that because they were like, dude, Vietnamese people hate Chinese people. <laughs> Stop calling me Chinese. <laughs> well, At least back then, you know. The, oh, no, guys, uh, growing up, yeah. like, for my mom, I mean, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, there, there's, there's, there's a hierarchy of, of anywhere you go. There's a hierarchy of, of how people see themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, Asians are not. Um, immune from that. <laughs> so at least that's my personal experience right. growing right. up. Uh, I don't. I don't think it helped that my mom would give me crooked bowl cuts. Also, uh -huh. <laughs> so, so it's just you know. I, I understand that my family was trying to save money, or my mom thought it, but it was. Uh, it didn't. It, it really didn't help with things. But. This has been like a long running conversation between us and maybe I, I almost feel like we should ask the question that you've basically asked every everyone. Yeah, yeah, so, sure. Well, actually, do you have kids? No. Um, so not that it matters, but um, so so we have kids. I have a son and a daughter. Obviously, has three daughters. But um, but a question that I've been asking all the guests is um, just listening to other sort of dude podcasts. Um, often, just the question of like fighting comes up and yeah. uh, what how, how you should talk to your kids about fighting, and <clears throat> and so I I wonder sometimes like I was not a fighter on the schoolyard even when I got picked on like. I would basically just, basically just let people pick on me, which didn't feel great, right? But I didn't fight, and uh, and I wonder sometimes like whether, like I feel like I live in Brooklyn too. It's pretty pretty typical that I'm a, a liberal Brooklyn dude. So, you know, my automatic thought is like if my kid is getting picked on, it's like just tell him to tell the teacher or whatever. But I'm starting to question like, is there wisdom in just, you know saying if you're actually getting fucked with it's okay to punch the bully in the face you know so i wonder if like you know if you ever like think about this question or if people ever you know people come to your gym who have kids ask you about like just like whether it's okay to fight in cer certain circumstances if you're a kid i, I think so 
I mean, it, it, I, I think at a certain point, like kids, because we coach kids. I mean, we yeah. coach, like kids need to be kids. And I think fighting and kind of finding themselves in that realm is okay. I, I, I honestly believe in general that we bubble wrap everything way too much right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, bubble wrap and sugarcoat it. And, and I don't think that's helping anybody down the road. Because I can tell you as, as a strength coach at this point that I have to do a lot of unwrapping with a lot of people. What's just, that look like? It just, it just means stripping away all the objections, stripping away like all of the fears uh-huh. and just like people come to the gym for a certain reason. Yeah. You know, they, most of them, they, they come because they want to get strong. They want to feel like they're a better version of themselves, whatever it is. Yeah. But it's really hard when there's so many barriers in the way. Cause it's scary. It, it, well, it can be scary. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be scary. Yeah. I mean, scary is a construct also. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's, if, if people, if people are afraid of that, you yeah. know, then there, there's a reason why they're afraid. There are other people who come in who are fearless. Well, like know? the thing that I, so I had like, I had, um, I bought starting strength, like, I don't know. Eight years ago, or for for like for the uninitiated, starting strength is like a, a weightlifting nerd book, yeah. which is uh, teaches you sort of the fundamentals of of the the power lifts, right? Uh, deadlifting, yeah. squatting, overhead press, things like that, right? Yeah, bench yeah. press also in there. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. I bought it because I like there was something <clears throat> Mark Ripito, right? Yeah, yeah okay. Mark Ripito. Yep. Yeah, I always I always wanted that. I never I was like you know I'm a very cerebral person. I had never really learn how to lift weights or anything like that. And then it, the book just kind of like I flipped through it and I like sat on my shelf for a while and I didn't do anything with it until I came to your gym. And like the premise of like lifting heavy shit, it feels really good. And it's also like, it, it asks a lot of you more than just doing the movements. Like you have to, like you can really hurt yourself, I guess is like one side of it. That's like the scary part, mm-hmm. but also like learning to, work with that to engage with it i i found it there there was a lot more to it than just doing the movements like I, the, the yeah actually piece. well that that ties into just the chronology of you starting the gym I, i'm curious like obviously other gyms exist in uh in in brooklyn and in south brooklyn but you you wanted to start a particular kind of gym i guess focus yes. more on heavy lifting right um yeah more more on on you know it it, it evolved into being about barbell sports. So there's two principal barbell sports. Um, there, there's powerlifting and weightlifting. Powerlifting encompasses a squat, bench, and deadlift. Those are contested lifts. And the other is weightlifting. We in the United States tend to refer to it as Olympic weightlifting because that's what you see on the Olympics. Uh, it's what you see on TV. And those are a little more, that's kind of like a barbell sport with little gymnastics thrown in. So you're dealing with two movements where you have to move the bar from the ground to overhead. One is a clean and jerk, and the other is a snatch. So we, we end up coaching both of those. And then in the, in the continuum of strength sports, um, there's also strongman, where that's just that, that requires the least amount of technique but the most amount of strength. And I'm sure that certain strongmen out there will argue with me and say that there's technique, but it's like form is not really contested. It's just about um, just getting the work done. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so to get back to what Avi was getting at, I mean, um, so I, I, I do CrossFit now and um, and I get I get kind of scared sometimes on um, days where we're supposed to do our one rep max. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
I don't really get scared. Like the workout I'm going to do after this is like going to be an insanely um, uh, anaerobic workout. I don't really get scared at those ones because it's like worst comes to worst, I could just slow down. Right. right. But the power lifts, I always get a little bit scared because I don't know. There's just something, especially like squatting, for example, like there's just something about like the fear of like crumbling under, under the weight. And I, I mean, I assume like the psychological aspect is a big thing that you deal with, like working with the people who come to your gym, right? Yep. Yeah. We, yeah, I mean, and it's, it's, it's interesting because I never expected that. Um, you know, ironically starting the gym, I never really expect, I, I forgot that I'd have to work with people. <laughs> so, and, and I think that like from my dad, I've, I've probably inherited a little bit of misanthropy, but I, I found a way to, um, kind of, well, I, I found a way to channel that for good. So sometimes, you know, my, my coaching persona is a little more cranky. It's a little more crotchety, mm -hmm. but I think it allows me to be more, um, more candid with people mm -hmm. because, as a as a as a cranky dude, I'm I'm able to just kind of like say what's what's on my on my mind, yeah. and it's it's sometimes maybe shocking for people to hear it, but I mean people don't you know come to the gym to be pampered. Mm -hmm. not, <laughs> so, not, not, so give us an example of the kind of thing you'd say to someone I, getting up about to do their one rep max and. I probably Terrified. tell them to stop fucking around <laughs> if they're taking if they're taking too long or or you know it's just a lot of times I'll just get in real close and just make sure that their head's clear because a lot of times like so so you you said you're afraid of, of of crumbling under the lift well you know a lot what I'll tell people is that with the right preparation and with with spotters and safeties failing is is ten times easier than actually making the lift hmm. because when you fail. Or, or if you fail, right, you, you know, you're, you have three, four other people who are going to help you lift that bar back up. Totally, yeah. So, so that's, I mean, that's, that's pretty much an unfounded fear. Um, I would say that the fear of that is, is deeper and that you don't want to fail. You don't yes. want to miss mm -hmm. that lift. It's not about getting crushed. Mm -hmm. But you don't want to look bad in front of yourself, in front of your peers, and so on and so forth. Do people who are more experienced, like, is that something you've seen... Um people get over just like that fear of failure? Is that something that is kind of a beginner's thing that no. um, people, so it's always there. It's universal. Yeah. Um, I, I, I coach, so, you know, we'll coach complete novices and I'm also, so one of the things that I do is I'm, um, I'm the, I'm the head coach for the master's national team for USA powerlifting. And um, that basically means 40 on up. And, and even at that level, even our most seasoned competitors, they all have their fears. They all have their concerns. So a lot of times at that point, and especially since I'm not um, their daily coach, but I'm, I'm a team coach, a lot of that times I'm just there. I'm there to get their head in the right place again. Hmm. Make sure they're focused on making their lifts. Make sure they're, they're doing what they're capable of doing and, and to make sure that they don't get in their own ways. And these are people that have been competing 30, 40 years, some of them. These are people who have um, who hold multiple world records, and and we still have to go through this. So I don't think it ever goes away. Some people are completely fearless. Some people don't have it, and I think it's more of a character thing hmm. than than kind of an event specific thing. If that's who you are, then that's what you have to deal with. And so we try to minimize that. And I work with people at at all levels who all kind of suffer that, and it it takes it takes years, or it's just a continuous ongoing process to get people to be more confident in what they do. And, and my hope is that 
people take it outside of the gym and apply it to other aspects of their lives as well. Um, there, there's a, a podcast that uh, is quite popular. You may have heard of it um, by this <clears throat> former Navy SEAL, Jocko Willink. And he talks I've a lot heard, about... Yeah. Um, he talks a lot about uh, lifting, but but particularly jujitsu. And he he's he's big into jujitsu, and he says that like he's learned more about life from jujitsu than anything he did, even in the military. And just that it's been this kind of uh, life training more than just just uh, you know a form of physical fitness and exercise and a martial art. I wonder, like, do you think of what what you do in the gym? As like, do you feel like it? It it's it 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 is like a metaphor for life struggles, like, or is that like taking it too far? And like, no, not at all. Yeah, it's I I, I call the gym a microcosm. It it really is kind of like a test bed for the rest of your life. It's also a reflection of of your outside life. So you know, we have people like right from when our members enter the gym, we're watching them. And and so and that helps get give us a sense of how they're going to perform on that day. If they come in all harried, they forget to close the door, they're just running through, and they don't say hello or whatever. Then we know that we're going to have a little more work to do. Huh. Um, and and so so it, it it and I think it's a reflection on on how they conduct the rest of their lives and what's going on. The the difference is that um, one of the things that attract that attracted me to barbell sports and running this kind of gym was that it really strips away the bullshit. Like, you can't hide. You know, it's like, like, like you said, it's either make the lift or you don't, right? And, 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 that, and there's no real in-between. Like, it's, as long as you set a criteria for what makes a good lift, you know, for instance, if a squat, you're squatting down below parallel, right? You have a criteria and you have a standard. You're either going to make it or not, right? And, and I think that these days, with things being more and more complicated out there in the world, it's harder to have that kind of like that kind of black and white view of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it's an absolute reflection. Yeah. Of, it's interesting thing about like just how often bullshit can come into almost every other aspect <laughs> of life. It's just so easy to talk your way out of something or just kind of dodge things. And yeah, the, 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 a lift is like one of these rare spaces where there's just no dodging. It's you do there's it. There's no dodging, yeah. but, right. but being, it's funny. Sometimes being a cranky strength coach <laughs> allows me to be like, just cut it out, you know, just tell people to shut up and, <laughs> and, and just go lift or don't, you know, right. there's certain times where I'll be like, look, if you don't want to be here, then that's fine also. And, and I think that people have a problem with expressing themselves in mm-hmm. general. Mm-hmm. They're afraid of all of that. And maybe that goes back to fighting too. You know, it's like it's like people don't want to kind of see something through. I, you know, there's a certain point where I stop fighting. Like in my adult life, I would get into fights as well at times. And I stopped that probably about, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago because I was like, yeah, it's probably not worth it to go to jail. What kind of fight? Like yeah, fights? I'm curious. <laughs> Are these like fights at a bar, like just stupid things, like why'd yeah. you bump into my chair kind of thing? Yeah, or? Fights, fights in the in a bar, fights on the street. Yeah. Um, Things, things that that I've since reconciled with, like you know, there there were dumb things like fights, you know, defending somebody. Um, you know, may, there might have been some road rage in there at some point in my life. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's just like I've 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 calmed down a lot. I realize I don't need any of that, but you know, it helps me kind of see what what other people 
go through as well. You know, it's not it's not like I'm I'm and I don't say this with with pride that that this stuff happened, but this stuff does happen. And, you know, I look back on it and has it made me any worse? No. You know, have I learned from it? Absolutely. So I want to go back for a second because like when you said that you're I want to get the title right. It's the, the you're the team you're one of the team coaches for the national masters. Is that yeah, so I'm the I'm the so we have so so I'm I'm part of USA Powerlifting uh-huh. and USA Powerlifting we have our nationals yeah and then we're part of a bigger organization a global organization called the International Powerlifting Federation and so they have a world competition so it's um the world competition basically like this year I mean we'll have over a thousand lifters from all over the world competing mm-hmm. and this year it's um it'll be in Sweden. And, you know, we kind of travel around like every year, go to a different uh, different location and compete. Yeah. And so I'm the I'm the head coach. Oh, OK. Of, of, of the master's uh-huh. team. Uh-huh. So there's other teams as well. There's there's an open team, which is 14 and up. Uh-huh. And um, and then there's also a sub junior and junior team combined. So there's a, it, it basically gives everybody an opportunity who competes domestically. Yeah. Like if, if they win their, their division, their category um, at nationals, uh-huh. then they have the opportunity to go to um, a world event Got it. and then Got it. possibly be the best in the world. At yeah, what they do. I thought that was so cool when I was at the gym and you were just really encouraging everyone to compete. Like just to yeah, I mean, I I, th- I think th- on that side that's important too, and I'm saying that's that's different. It's just competing at a different uh, at a yeah, local level. Yeah, but like to like get into the mindset of competing. Right, right. I mean, it, it's it's um, kind of like it makes you nervous, and I think I think it's good to have butterflies. It's good to be nervous about something that doesn't involve personal mm-hmm. or work. Right. And I say personal, it doesn't involve your relationships with others. Right. Um, and it doesn't involve being nervous at work. This becomes something that you're truly doing for yourself. And that's what I remind people of. And, you know, it's like I like my crusade is to get people to do less marathons and compete in more, um, <laughs> more powerlifting meets. Because, uh, you know, it's like, you know, people people say, you know, like, less trash on the street. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But but, you know, part of it is like, you know, I ask people why, like if they bring up like oh, I'm running a marathon, I say, well, what's the goal? Right. Because a lot of times people will come and say, well, you know, I'll say, well, you, maybe you should think about competing in powerlifting. And I say, well, I'm not going to win. And then that, again, that brings uh-huh. me back to the goal of a marathon. It's yeah. like, what's the point? Yeah. And they say, well, I just want to do it. Yeah. Well, I said, that's the point of, uh, of powerlifting, of yeah. doing a meet. You're going to accomplish something that, that very few people in this world have accomplished. Yeah. And that gives you something that you can keep and carry with you. Can you just break it down for me? Like, when, you, when I read your bio and just like hearing you talk about it, like, I went to college I graduated, you know, I studied liberal arts, then I got uh, my master's degree and I, and I intend to like do what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And, and like you have, like, how does someone go from like studying film and working in film to being like the head coach of like, like that's a really, (laughs) also then going into screen printing and embroidery, which don't exactly sound like a typical uh, step for a powerlifting uh, expert. But, None of yeah. it is. None of it is. But <laughs> hey, you know, if, if we're if we're talking about things like, for me, it's just I've always so I've always been self-employed. Uh huh. I've always you know, and I even consider being a grip being self-employed because I'm freelance right. and I don't show up at the same place all yeah. every day. And you know, if I want to take off, I'll take off. Was that and just so, part of your personality? Like you wanted to 
choose what you do. You I know? think it became part of my personality. I, I don't I don't know. Like, I, I, and so this is something I decided I would do. Like, I didn't know what I would do. I think initially, like my whole thing, my whole um, reason for going to film school actually came out of a Village Voice article. Okay. Like in in when I was in. Um, and I don't know, I think the Village Voice is still out there, isn't I it? I think it shut down recently. <laughs> it's so online, no? Is it, is it online? It yeah. Online. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, so it, and you know, this was, so it was, I, I think it was 1986. And my dad brought back, gave me a Village Voice article about independent filmmaking. Yeah. And I was already interested, like, as, you know, in high school, I was involved in theater. Um, I was, I was interested in photography mm-hmm. and this just sounded so cool. The vo- the, the article did a great job of just kind of capturing the intensity of, of, of doing an independent, like small, yeah. like student film. Yeah. And that's all it was. Yeah. And, and it just kind of made me think, and then I went and I, I took a, a summer course in NYU because I wanted to learn more about it. And I said, all right, this is what I want to do. That was mm-hmm. the only school I applied to. Uh-huh. I, I applied early decision and I got in and then gave up the rest of my senior year of high school. Uh-huh. Um, I kind of went, but, <laughs> it was a, but, but I knew I was already in school. Um, and you know, so, and then I could, I've, I've always kind of like been open and, and kind of, um, kind of flowed with things a little bit. Yeah, and and sometimes like there, I to be completely frank, I mean, there are plenty of times where the current has taken me okay. to places where I, I I haven't wanted to end up or go, but I end up kind of you know kind of falling all always falling back on my feet. Uh huh. And so so the the transition from um like I got burned out in the film industry. That was that was one big thing. Um, and you know, during the time that I was involved in it, there were a bunch of things that kind of slowed things down. There was a number of strikes. Um, I was, I was in the film industry right at the time of nine 11 as well. Oh, man. And so it's like, basically our business was shut down for, you know, for four months, you know, the city stopped issuing permits yeah. and so on and so forth. And just like a combination of things. It's just, I got, um, I got burned out uh-huh. and, and, but we always had great t-shirts. Uh-huh. So that's kind of like the transition from one to the, like there was a point where I had extra space in our in our warehouse because I I actually owned a uh, film and equipment film equipment rental company as Got well, it. so we had extra space in our warehouse. I was like, well, maybe I'll just print my own shirts, and started doing that, and that's where things expanded. And just like you know, as I was growing up, I was the go to guy in my family to to fix all electronics and okay. you know just kind of fix the vcr and, and uh-huh. whatever else was broken in the house i just like you know thinking about myself and like like what i'm appreciating that seems to be a part of just your makeup is like uh there seems to be like a you don't seem particularly intimidated about figuring out how to do stuff or like how to like like make a random thing into a reality. Cause I think running a business, like there's a lot of shit you have to figure out. Yeah. Um, and that stops me a lot. <laughs> well, so like there, there's it. two things. I really enjoy being creative. Uh-huh. Like, so, so that like figuring out and, and funny enough in everything I've done, it's been about problem solving. Uh-huh. So for instance, a grip in the film industry is a problem solver. I mean, if, if somebody, somebody like someone from another department comes to you and says, I want to put this there. Mm-hmm. They're not going to tell you how. It's up to us to figure out how to get it there Mm -hmm. and how to do it in a certain period of time and how to do it safely and efficiently. 
So there, there's always that kind of aspect of, of problem solving. The yeah. same thing with, with um, you know, making, making shirts. You know, we were very involved in the, uh, in the fashion industry for mm-hmm. a long time. So it's like, how do we creatively, like, how do we come in on budget? How do we, how do we make these designs work for somebody? Yeah. And how do we, you know, just collaborating with the, uh, with the designers. And we were working with a lot of top shelf designers at the time. Um, and then, you know, a lot of... Um, a lot of, of, of strength training and coaching is problem solving. Mm-hmm. Like what, what path do I take to, to get everybody stronger and mm-hmm. everybody is indiv- like unique. Right. So it's like for, if, if you're coming in and you're training, it's like, okay, so I need to assess what your, what your pluses and minuses are right. and figure out a way to communicate to you to get, for you to be able to train and get stronger yeah. and, and, and for you to, to help you accomplish your goals. The other aspect I think is that, um, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur, there's no fallback. Yeah. There's no net. Yeah. That's scary. It, <laughs> you know, it has been, but I, I, I mentioned my, um, like there, there was a, there, you know, and I, it, like there was a point in my life where I have lost everything. Really? Yep. What does that mean? Everything. Everything. Okay. Everything. In fact, there was a documentary, you know, that called weight. Yeah. Um, that, that kind of picked up on a bunch of that stuff okay but everything meant um i lost a business Uh um i lost uh my apartment i lost all of my money wow i mean everything so you were homeless yeah i mean there was there was a point where where we were yeah we were pretty much homeless we were living in our gym Uh uh-huh you know and we being my wife and i yeah Uh yeah and so you know the the thing is that before that you know, talking to creditors, talking to, you know, people that I owed, you know, talking to landlords and things like that. There was a lot of fear of that. Yeah. And, and I feel like everybody plays into that fear. Well, if you don't do this, this is going to, uh, you know, you're, you're going to lose something or, you know, your, your, your credit rating is going to go down. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, you know, so on and so forth. And you buy into it and you're like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Yeah. And then, after you lose it, you're like, oh, here that's I am. not that's not so bad. I'm <laughs> I'm still here, yeah. you know, and I and I'll deal with it. Doesn't doesn't change who I am. Uh-huh. In fact, I think it's it's helped make me better because I don't have that fear anymore. So anybody who comes to me now and tries to tell me something like consequentially, I'm like, all right, and yeah. <laughs> when you were um, <clears throat> in the, how long did that period lo- last where you were living in the in the gym with your wife? Was it? A- um, about 10 months. So that's a long time. So when you were in that period, um, was it, was it something that like, I, I mean, now you have the perspective on it, but at the time, I'm just curious, like, what is it actually like when you're in the moment of this rock bottom kind of thing where you've lost everything? Is it just like, like, how did you have any hope of like getting back on your feet when you're in that kind of situation? Well, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't not have hope. I mean, it just like, that's the funny thing. It's like, for me, like hope never went away. For me, it simplified things, you know, to the point where, you know, we, we had put all of our stuff in storage and, you know, we were basically, you know, living out of, of two plastic bins, right? We, you know, figure out a way to you know, which, which were kind of stored in the trunk of our truck. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, we, you know, it's, it's changed me in a way. And like, I, I don't need a lot of stuff 
anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, life is a lot simpler. I, I don't, you know, I'm constantly culling things these days, uh-huh. um, way before Marie Kondo. <laughs> <laughs> it's like way before all of that stuff. It's like, you know, it's like I have, I have one drawer for my clothing uh-huh. and that's it. If it uh-huh. doesn't fit, it goes, uh-huh. you know, I don't, I don't like to keep things in, in storage and, you know, um, but no, but that's, that's the other thing. It's like fighting, right? I kept fighting. And that's something that I, 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 I will always do. So maybe that's another reason to let kids fight once in a while. Um, do you, uh, so we should get to the advice yeah. question, but, but um, you keep saying like people come to your gym because they want to get strong. And um, I mean, it just seemed, you, you, I've just met you, but you seem like a strong, obviously you're a physically strong dude, but you seem like a mentally strong guy to just hearing you talk about the way that you dealt with <laughs> a situation that is like most people's nightmare, right? Yeah. Um, losing everything. Um, what, what, wh- like really what is strong mean to you? Is it about a goal of hitting like a certain weight on squats? Like is it, what, what is it, what does it mean? Like why and why is it important? I, you know, it's, it's no strong is not about the goal. You know, the goal might help focus you, but strong is not about the goal. For me, strong is showing up at the gym regularly. And strong is showing up at the gym in that sense. It's like having the fortitude to come to the gym regularly and to deal with with whatever you're faced with. So even if you're not feeling perfect, it's a better time to come to the gym, to learn more about yourself and see what you can accomplish, right? If If you try to do everything when everything is perfect, that's boring. But if, if, you're, if you're faced with struggles, if it's like your worst stressful day, but you find a way to make it in the gym, guess what? You're probably going to walk out of there feeling better than you walked in. You know, so to me, that's what strong is. And that's why I say it's like, you know, it's like, you know, I leave it a little open-ended because it's not necessarily just strong in, in body, but it's definitely strong in mind and strong in emotion. And I, and I really do believe that the people that, that stick with me and then stay with the gym are finding that in themselves. It's kind of well. like maybe uh, even a synonym for the kind of strong you're talking about is resilient. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Sure. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just able to show up, like the ability to show up right. even when you don't really feel like it <laughs> or want well, to. Sure. I mean, yeah. but, but that's the thing. And, and you know, you know maybe... maybe I'm wrong in this, but, you know, I don't think so. The, 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 we're getting soft out there. Uh-huh. Like we're getting, we're getting less resilient, you know, and then things kind of like tumble around us too much and we allow things to affect us too much. And we don't have like, we can't just sit and be quiet. Like, you know, I always, I always try to like, that's something I push as well is, is kind of like mentally prepping. Like I'll, I'll advocate for my top athletes and for anybody really to find a time to just sit and meditate. Mm-hmm. Just sit and be still. It doesn't even have to like be guy. It doesn't have to be anything. It's just sit, be still, count your breaths, be quiet, whatever it is. Like like find your center. Do you have a practice like that at all? Do I? Yeah, yeah, as much as I can. I feel like every guest we've had meditates. It's, just kind, as of, as it's kind of amazing that they, they all meditate. Um, well, yeah, I, I meditate too, and Avi, Avi yeah. meditates a little. Yeah, and it's changed. It's different, right? It's not. It's not like the you know the meditation of the seventies or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, it's you know, it, we almost like you know if, if meditation had like a, a press department. I think they need to come up with a different word, uh-huh. meditate, right? <laughs> so it's, you know, it, it gets lumped in with mindfulness and, right. and presence and so on and so forth. But, you know, a lot of it is just to kind of bring, like, 
like get people centered, yeah. get people focused, get pe- get people present. And I see the differences. You know, I've done this with people at at all different levels, and the people that can like be still and be quiet for a minute, they seem to do better. Mm-hmm. They seem to get better in touch with themselves. And there are people who just don't want to know themselves. People are afraid of knowing themselves as well. But that happens in the gym, both physically and mentally, right? Maybe you're afraid of doing that squat because you don't want to know that you can't do it, <laughs> right? Right, right. You know, I don't know. Um, before we, just one more yeah. question based <laughs> Sam's on... Sam's really into that. Uh, <laughs> I could talk about lifting all day. No, uh, when you say you think we're getting softer. Um, do you think that has to do with like, um, the internet and the culture of social media and just like people constantly feeling like judged by other people or judging other people? Or do you think it has to do with something else? Like, what is it about our, our moment that you think is making us softer than we've been in the past? Well, I think, I think that for, well, speaking I, I think that there's less struggle. There's there and there's more compartmentalization of life, right? Where where we there's a lot of things that we don't have to do to you know we can just outsource it all. Mm-hmm. So we can then end up sitting behind a desk for twelve hours, and then we go home, and then we kind of like do what we do with social media, and kind of spend a lot of time, uh, you know, just just following social media and, and, you know, we don't ever have a sense of, of our lives. We don't, we don't kind of, I don't know how we experience things anymore. And, and so that's kind of, that's kind of different. There's no, there's nothing that that's kind of like testing our grit on a regular basis. I, uh, I was on an airplane, um, a few years ago and on one of those airplane magazines, I saw this quote, which I thought was hilarious at the time. It was uh, technology is the opposite of manliness, uh-huh. and I think it's hilarious because like, what does manliness mean? That's a kind of a ridiculous like term. What are they? Right. How are they defining that? Right. But uh, but I thought about it more, and I was like, ah, actually, like, there's something to that. I think like, um, you know, all of these tools that are available are there to make things sort of physically um, and mentally less strenuous for us. And so, so we're basically outsourcing our strength (laughs) to technology, you know, so it actually made a certain amount of sense to me. I mean, even, even thinking about like, like when my son someday is going to have to do a research paper, like he won't even ever have to physically walk to the library and like pick up a book. (laughs) Unless unless you make him do it. Right. Exactly. exactly. (laughs) Unless, unless you like, and I think there's certain, you know, there's certain benefits to that. Um, There's certain benefits to, to the struggle. For instance, like in the gym, we don't allow people to say test their their maxes very often and so we have we kind of pushing a little bit of patience and so people always want to test they always want to see where they're at we don't do that very mm-hmm. much you know we'll get we'll get to say 80 90% on a regular basis but you know that that's not i i don't care how much somebody wants to do it i don't care about somebody else's ego in that way that's not my problem but but we we do that just because it's not going back to what you'd asked before. It's not about the goal, but really is about the pathway. It's about just kind of putting in the work. Because I can tell you, from from my experience, the the people that put in the most work, the most regular work, do the best no matter what. And a lot of times that work can equal or overcome 
genetic talent and ability, right? Even if somebody is the most genetically gifted, if they don't have the right mindset, they're going to screw up sooner or later. And the person that's working hard and putting in that work will surpass them. You can squat 505 pounds, is that right? Yeah, I have. Okay, I haven't you squatted have. in a while. Yeah, you, yeah. Okay. Do, do you think you were genetically gifted to be able to do that? Or do you, like... No, I put in the work. I mean, yeah. I, I, think, I think my size definitely, you know, like my... my I contributed to it, but the, here's the funny thing, right? That's not even that big a deal on the, you know, so perspective-wise, it messes with me a little bit. I'm like, all right, that's an okay squat, <laughs> right? But but it depends on what circle I'm in. And because if I'm if I'm if I'm walking around at a at a world championship and I'm looking around and people around me are smaller than me or squatting, you know, 6-700 pounds, I'm like, all right, that's an okay squat. <laughs> that's, that's not a big deal. But then if, you know, hey, if I, if I, you know, if I walk into Whole Foods or something, <laughs> I'm like, that's a pretty damn good squat. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's really, it's really um, perspective. I'm but, pretty sure you could squat more than any guest uh, we'll ever have on yeah. the show. <laughs> yeah. But I could introduce you to a lot of people that can squat more than me. But, but hey, you know what? It keeps me humble. It keeps me, it keeps me humble, focused, and, you know, just want to keep training and just, like, I'm less, um, that, and that's one of the things that kind of fell by the wayside a little bit, was just, like, um, when I started doing a lot more coaching, my, I, I had to be less selfish, and so I'm not lifting as frequently, but, but so kind of refocused why I lift and I'm now it's more about for myself mm -hmm. and just to feel good. Sometimes it's, it's problem solving. If I can't figure out why somebody can't do something, I'll go and experiment on mm. myself a little bit and then see if I can come back with an answer. Um, so this is, this is an advice show. Yeah. Um, and, uh, we have a question every week from a listener. Um, and we're going to try to Rather than jump right into the advice, we're just going to try to talk through the problem that this dude is addressing in I'm this question. I'm definitely curious to hear the misanthropic yeah. coach's take on this, but, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, we'll see. I feel like this could be a very short ad advice segment or, or not. Um, hey, man, my problem is very straightforward. I'm 21 and my hair is thinning. My hairline is receding, but it's not quite obvious yet. I have an older brother who's 25 and he's basically bald as are my uncles, except for one who I think has hair plugs. I've sort of known this was coming since I was a teenager, but I still don't feel prepared. I don't want to be bald. I definitely don't want to be bald in my 20s. Is anyone going to want to date me? My grandmother, who is very anti-baldness, even though it's probably her genes that are causing this, has offered to pay for hair plugs. I don't know what to do. I don't like the idea of having cosmetic surgery, and I'd like to be the kind of person who's just okay with his body, but I'm not. I realize this is not your decision to make, but what should I do? Signed, Clinton Hill, Chrome Dome. First of all, it's pretty hilarious that he has a granny who's like an oh, anti-Baltics yeah, crusader. <laughs> um, Body shaming him. Yeah, 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 seriously. Well, I mean, I think it ties in because it's a it's a self it's a self image issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. You want my short answer or the long answer? <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you? Both? I mean. I, I feel very qualified to answer this because I shave my head basically and uh, I've sort of like reconciled myself to not having uh, as much hair as maybe I would have wanted to. When did you start shaving your head? Uh, a couple of years ago. I think at some point I just noticed I was like, my, like, I did not want to pretend like I had more hair than I had. And I was just like, let me just get it over with. Like, this is where things are headed. Yeah. Yeah. So but I think good. like, I think just in a broader sense, this question raises like uh, 
you know, obviously dudes are self-conscious about their bodies too, not just, not just women. Yep. And uh, even though we hear about women getting surgery more than men, I'm sure men, I don't know any men who've gotten plastic surgery, but I'm sure plenty do. If they do, they probably do what he's like. Yeah. Probably, it's probably yeah, a but you know, thing. look, like honestly, do you know how ridiculous hair plugs look? <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, and and that's a band aid. Yeah, because that's not going to get to the deeper issue. Mm. And and I, I feel like it's like this is this is who you are. It's like own it. Yeah, know it. Like like don't like. <laughs> There's a. It's funny. This is like a much more trivial example. But I have a I have a big gap in my front teeth. Yeah. I've always had this. And, uh, like I used to be self-conscious about that when I was younger. And, uh, even though like, and, and I used to like relate to David Letterman cause like he had a gap in his teeth <laughs> yeah. or whatever. And it's like such a stupid thing. No one gives a shit about the gap in my teeth, I but like I was it. so self-conscious about it for so long uh-huh. and like thought about, should I get like, I don't need braces, but like, should I get like these fucking cosmetic braces. Mm -hmm. Should I do that like Invisalign shit, which is super expensive. (laughs) Just get a grill. And the funny, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, the funny thing is that my wife, like that's one of my wife's favorite things is my gap. You know what I mean? So it's like, once you just own some of these, I mean, again, that's an easier thing for me to say. Cause it's not like there's a huge stigma about having a gap in your, in your teeth as there is being bald. I don't, uh, but (laughs) is there really a stigma being bald? I mean, the, 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 it's not, I could see, I mean, like, to I could see for this guy like if like if you were a 22 year old and you were bald like that you'd feel really different from everyone else I could see how that would be tough but there are plenty of dudes shaving their heads these days yeah. I mean it doesn't like again uh, you know like stand out be different like like in a sea of hair yeah right be the bald guy <laughs> like you're gonna you're gonna stand out for it and just own it because what else can you do about it like yeah, what I, I mean, I don't know. I like to me, like hair plugs are are, are bad. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on the tough love wagon for a second. Yeah. Maybe you can be the the soft love guy. <laughs> for, but uh, I I have to say, just like, and apologies to any listeners out there that this might offend, but like, I just feel like a kind of revulsion when I see any kind of plastic surgery, like. Mm-hmm whether it's hair plugs or some someone with facial reconstruction or collagen or whatever it is because um and and i don't want to be but i i feel judgmental of those people because i'm kind of what gets getting at what Polly is talking about like i'm like why don't you just own who you are and like there's something weird to me about like you know the fact that like you need to like chop up your you know, face to conform to what you think society thinks is like better. But on the other hand, like, I don't know. I think it gets a little bit more complicated when, um, I don't know. I mean, so obviously some people have very profound reasons for changing their body. If they feel like they were born in the wrong gender or whatever it is. So I think there are some, some contexts in which like, you know, it, it, it's, it's an empowering thing to do it. You know, but uh, but I don't know, like something like losing your hair. It's like, you know, I don't know. It. I kind of it, agree. It's it, like just just own this. Uh, it happens. Like people people lose their hair. You know, it's like so. So for me, funny enough, it's like you know, I might. I was I was thinking about this. So I've been on a weight cut. This. So when, when in January I was I was up at almost three hundred pounds, mm-hmm. and now I'm down about two forty, and you know that's something that I can control. 
and that's something that I can change. There, are, like I'm, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll be. I just turned 49 and mm. you know, my, my hair is starting to thin a little bit and you know, I'm, I'm cool with that. That's just, that's, that's a just, good long run. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Look, I, that's for you to say, right? You yeah. started shaking your head, but, but you know, the thing is I, I'm, I'm cool with that. I can't change that. I yeah. don't want to change it. Mm-hmm. And you know, at some at certain point I'll change my hairstyle to accommodate or mm-hmm. I'll do the next thing to accommodate, but that doesn't define me, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll find a way to, to, to make it work. And to make it look good, you know, it's like, I, I, I think that the, the, the guy with the question is, yeah. is putting his energy in the wrong place. Okay. You know, my, my advice maybe if he's not training right now, he should get into a gym. Mm. Well, you know? <laughs> so let, me, let me just, just to play devil's advocate, challenge yeah. you on that. Right. Um, if, if on the one hand we're saying like, you should just accept your body for what it's doing naturally. Right. Like, um, if we're about body acceptance, like why go work out and like get jacked? You know what I mean? Like, no, I didn't say it's not. A, it's not about body acceptance, right? It's 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 accepting yourself, and it's not. And and so can you, it's in accepting. And basically, can you control that? Is there anything that this guy can do to control his hair loss? Like, given what you have, what are the things? Yeah, there? work with what you've got. Yeah. That's that's more of what that is. It's kind of enhance other things to maybe like grow a thick, luscious beard. You know, it's like, yeah, do, like for <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but I mean that that's the thing. It's like fi- find other ways like to enhance other other properties. You know, other other aspects of your of your life. It's not it's not like to go and that kind of you know follows with what you're saying, Sam. It's like not don't get plastic surgery because because getting hair plugs is a form of plastic surgery well it kind of i maybe this is a weird analogy but it kind of makes me think of like um like the difference between lifting and like doing steroids right like one thing is like an artificial thing that you're doing yeah to your body um and another thing is just working with uh you know just working with your body like in a in a natural way and i wonder i don't know i wonder if like like again me and Paul, you haven't really weighed in on whether you find hair plugs weird. Me and yeah. Polly seem to both be in agreement that like that's that's like not something you should. I be. think yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I generally uh, I think I do agree with with both of you. I, I read um, Andre Agassi's autobiography recently, oh, yeah, and and I, he was he was my time too growing yeah, up. Yeah, so. and like and and his acceptance of like I guess. I, I think he was probably going bald even younger than this guy. Like, it was but he started with a full flowing yeah, mullet. Yeah. I mean, he had the, he had the super mullet going on. Yeah, but what yeah. you learn in his autobiography is like how long he tried to like conceal his hair loss. That he like um, that he was like going bald for a long time and like just tried. To, that's when he had the bandana over his head. Like he was losing yeah. his hair and he couldn't handle it. And once he, I think it was Brooke Shields who actually like uh, convinced him to shave his head. And it liberated him. Um, I guess he just felt free to be himself more, and that was when he started to play his best tennis. So I, that's that's a plug for for self acceptance. Well, y- you know, the funny thing is, is that that goes back to the fear of losing something. Yeah. Right. And so this is this is a kind of a physical manifestation. Yeah, that's a good of, of his <laughs> fear of losing something, yeah. and he's not sure how it's going to be on the other side. Right. Right. So maybe shave your head for a little bit, see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Right. Realize that nobody like the the that things probably won't change. And you know, that that's why that's part of the reason why I'm not mad 
at my experience of losing everything. Mm -hmm. Because guess what? I'm not afraid of it anymore. Yeah. Like, so everything that I have is inside me. Yeah. Right. And people can't take that away from me no matter what. Right. That, yeah. That's mine. That's yeah. mine to keep always. Put yeah. me anywhere. Take everything away from me. I still have me. Yeah. Right. I didn't learn that until I lost everything. Right. Uh, I just just one thought that I had that I don't want to lose is that um, what he said about will any will any girls ever date me anymore? Yeah. Well, actually, he didn't say girls. It could be guys, sure. whatever. But uh, I literally literally the two biggest Mac daddies I know. <laughs> I won't name who they are, but the two most successful dudes that I know in terms of like getting women to like them. Uh, are both were both bald at a young age, uh-huh. and they just owned it by sha- by shaving their heads, rocking some cool hats, uh-huh. but like it it had no impact whatsoever on them no. getting on them getting any uh, <laughs> attraction. People are not. I mean, you know, I, I think ultimately people are more attracted to swagger. Yes, mm-hmm. and both right? of these dudes had have swagger. <laughs> right, right, yeah. and so you have that, you know, and I, and you know, funny enough, and I go back to strength training again because I don't promote people bragging about what they do, but you know, I was just talking like we we run an intro class at our gym, and I was just it was the last session of the intro class last night, and I was talking to the the members of the class, and I was like, look, one of the goals here is to walk around with this quiet swagger. Like, you know how much you can do, and you don't necessarily have to tell people that, but people can sense it in Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. Like, they don't, they don't, and they don't have to know either. And maybe it makes you a little more mysterious as well, but then that makes you more attractive. Uh Right. And so, so I think, I think with this guy, he's got to, he's got to own. And I think, I think it could definitely happen. Um, You can get that. Look, I think some people are just born with quiet swagger. But I think that they're in the minority. Uh-huh. I, to me, the people I know who have it um, have something like, like one of my friends who who is my most consistent um, uh, weightlifting friend who's been doing it for fifteen years and can lift a lot. Like he has it, but I feel like he has it not because he can lift, uh, you know, do a huge deadlift amount, but because he knows what it's like to consistently show up for something time and time again. I have, I have another friend who has this quiet swagger and he's a, been a meditator for a long time, you know, but it's, but it's, I think to me what these things have in common is, um, they put in the work right. for mm-hmm. years and years and years and, and work, working consistently, practicing something consistently, um, that that's challenging. I just think, gives you that kind of quiet swagger you just know that like you're the kind of person who's strong enough to uh to to like you said show up just keep showing up and i think that like kind of reflects like like i think it just kind of vibrates off of you when you're walking around in society if you're that kind of person and i i kind of feel like the opposite like like if if you got hair plugs you'd have this constant reminder of something that you don't have like it's just like even though you're getting it, it's like you're reinforcing your deficit in some way. Like it won't make you feel any better because you'll just be re- every time you look in the mirror, you'll be like, "Oh, here's this fake part about me." Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I don't know what's worse: your... or hair plugs or a comb over. Uh-huh. Like uh-huh. you know, it's like both are hiding from something. And, yeah. and seriously, at some point, right? Like, say this person, you know, finds their finds their mate and finds yeah. their match, and then the person gets a close up view of their hair plugs. <laughs> And, right, right, right. and they, you know, maybe they feel like this, they're not, this person's not being honest with them. Like, you know, it's like, 
I grew up in the era of uh, toupees, right? right. And you, yeah. like you see people with a toupee, and it's like you immediately trust them less. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like they're covering something up, and they have to hide something. Right. right. I mean, I feel hiding. like there's two levels to this. There's like the practical level of like, on a practical level, like people might notice your hair plugs; it could backfire. Yeah. But but on a on on a deeper level, on a on a more symbolic level. Um, this is a question about insecurity yeah. and whether you can address insecurity with a Band-Aid or some kind of external thing versus addressing insecurity from within, you yeah. know? And, uh, and it's pretty clear that, like, you know, I'm, I mean, you can think of a million other examples of trying to, like, uh, you know, if you feel bad about yourself going and, like, buying... I mean, I don't know... I, I think like if you feel bad about yourself and you do a little retail therapy and you buy like a cool shirt, mm -hmm. I think it can make you feel okay. I don't think that that's like a bad thing. I don't think it's horrible to do that. I think it can make you feel okay, but it's just never going to match the feeling of like doing some internal work. Yeah, that <laughs> feeling goes away pretty quickly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, but I mean, maybe like, and and speaking to that point, if it's once in a while and it's there to bridge a gap and, and, and maybe it helps you get to that next place. Great. But if you find that you're constantly going back to the well and, and constantly buying another thing, buying another thing, and then it becomes a problem where you're going broke or whatever it is, then that then you're not addressing the issue. Are there what about um, speaking of weight loss, right? What about people who um, get like surgery to get thinner? Uh, I mean, I guess that that maybe that's a, a silly example because that that's just like a health that's like a health thing for a lot of people. Like their doctors are like, you have to get, you know, your stomach stapled if you don't want to have a heart attack, you know. Um, but I'm I'm just trying to think of like examples of like. Um, well, but that one, I think we, I don't know. I speaking for myself, I guess I can have a lot of judgment about that because it's like if you want to lose weight, maybe like there are probably some things about your relationship to food or like your activity level and all of this stuff that you might want to think about changing instead of like just getting this surgery. Like I, I definitely, I know people who have done that and then they gained the weight back and yeah. what a terrible feeling to put yourself through that. Yeah. You didn't well, solve anything. I mean, like, you know, for me, my, my body weight has fluctuated by a hundred pounds in my adult life. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been as much as over 300 and I've been below 200. Um, I, and, and some of that, a lot of that comes from with my relationship to stress and food. And so, Sounds like you know, everyone. Yeah. yeah, of course, like, you know, and, and it's just like, you know, so, so like after, after a particularly stressful day or whatever, it'd be like, you know, I deserve this, like, you know, triple, triple hamburger from Wendy's. Yeah. Right. And then I'm going to eat this and drink a milkshake and go to bed. And nothing bad's gonna happen, right? right? So, <laughs> you know, fifty pounds later, <laughs> and and so like this year, like kind of starting this weight cut, you know, what? there are a lot of times it's really boring, and so I need to kind of work with myself as well and say, yeah. look, you know, like there there are days where I look in the mirror and say, you know what, this is gonna take a year, this is mm -hmm. gonna take a year, and, and you know, it's like, and, and I've been saying that for the last six months, <laughs> Just keep, <laughs> kind of saying that, but that's keeping me going. Uh -huh. And, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, talk about a lot, but, you know, like part of it was there's a couple things like for me, like being as heavy as I was, that would that puts me into kind of like diabetic range mm -hmm. and a lot of other like high blood pressure, pressure, high cholesterol, other issues. And I don't necessarily think it's a good look for a strength coach right. because in this realm, like strength coaches, things like like you have to like people expect you to look the look the look, if right. you will. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, so, so I, I decided to make that change. And, and, and this, it, like, it, it, it really is about a relationship with food. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've found that at this point, you know, I'll walk by things, I'll see things, and I don't, I don't care about them anymore. Yeah? Yeah. That's impressive. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it, but that, that's just putting in the work, right? Uh-huh. That's just showing up every day, eating the same boring things a lot of times, like divorcing yourself from, from certain feelings about food. Um, they, you know, I went for three months without eating any sugar whatsoever. And I was really nervous. Like the first time I I was going to have some sugar, I was like, what happens if I, you know, and then I had some sugar and then I was like, made me feel really weird because I hadn't had sugar. (laughs) I was like, okay, that was that. All right. I'm over it. Uh And so it's just kind of like facing these fears all the time. And honestly, I mean, for me, that's one of the exciting things about life. Is constantly putting yourself up to these challenges mm-hmm. and seeing if you can. You don't always win. You don't always overcome. But you know the wins feel really good. Yeah, and I think maybe that's that's kind of like a fun, positive way to frame the challenge to this guy. It's like yeah. this is going to be a challenge for you yeah. to just live life as an openly bald dude or balding <laughs> yeah. dude. And just like, it's going to be a new thing and you're going to have a new relationship to the way you look, but like, just go with it. Walk into the, walk into the direction of the wind. You know what I mean? With, with with your, with the hair that won't flap in the wind. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) I mean, look, you know, the funny thing is there's so many cool things that you can do, you know, without hair, right? (laughs) Think about the time, think about the time that you save in the morning. (laughs) Think, Think about... Think about getting that nice, high-polished shine. You know, I actually that, uh, really want to shave my head because I, I hate getting like my hair sweaty when I'm working out. I hate getting my hair in my face. And my yeah. wife just won't let me shave my head. But, uh, but I'm kind of envious of people that But that's that don't the thing. It. It's yeah. like, and you know what? Honestly, you know, like, I mean, you mentioned like cool hats, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, there, there's some amazing hats out there. Like, you, like there's stuff that, that you know, I, I, I think, I think, the issue for this person right now is that they're right in the middle. Yeah. They haven't made a decision. Right. Grandma's not helping either. <laughs> I was going to bring up grandma. I mean, just to, to just offer this dude a little bit of compassion. Cause yeah. I think we've been mostly tough love here. Yeah. Like it does suck that it's one thing if he had like a really cool, like, you know, family support being like, it's all good. You know, Yeah, like, I'm kind of like, no wonder you feel this way. If your yeah. grandma's like, Hey, I'll pay for this. Like, cause I think you're well, going to look really may, bad. But funny enough, the other thing is that maybe grandma's being indulgent. Mm-hmm. Like maybe grandma's being, you know, like she's not, she's not seeing his pain. Yeah. Like she, she's looking for an easy way to maybe get him to, st- I don't know how often he talks about it at home, <laughs> but obviously it's a, it's an open issue Yeah, like, like at home. So maybe, maybe in that case, grandma's like, all right, I, like, I don't want my grandkid to hurt. Right. I don't want my grandkid to be upset. So I'm going to do what I think is best for my grandfather. But that's like. I, I don't know if that's the best answer. Yeah. It's, it's, th- these are the, to me, this is like a, this is almost like a non-issue. Yeah. Like, like just let it go. <laughs> I guess, I guess just, just before we wrap up yeah. though, like I'm just trying to play a little bit more devil's advocate. I, yeah. I keep trying to play devil's advocate and then being like, ah, eh, fuck the devil. It's not a very good argument, but I'm going to try, <laughs> I'm going to try harder yeah. to be devil's advocate right now. Like, um, I want to challenge myself to be a little bit more open-minded about people who get plastic surgery. Yeah. Cause, cause, cause honestly, like I feel, I feel bad about this, especially, and, and this is fucked up, but I'll just admit this. Cause the point of the show is to be honest, especially when I see like older people and, and honestly 
older women in particular, yeah. with a lot of plastic surgery, there's something in me that probably brings out some misogynistic stuff that's buried in me or whatever that mm -hmm. comes out a little where I'm just like, it just, it's just gross to do that. It's so transparently kind of, um, pathetic and like you're trying to like look young but you just look and I, i'm just trying to feel like i don't i'm not sure that that's cool that i'm so judgmental about yeah. that and ultimately if if let's i feel like there is a place where in theory this dude could get hair plugs if he wanted to or someone else could get plastic surgery if they wanted to as long as they recognize that that's not going to be a real solution to insecurity like the real solution to insecurity is doing that inner work but wouldn't it like if, if you're doing the inner work if, if if you're showing up to the brooklyn weightlifting club um south brooklyn weightlifting club three days a week yeah. you're meditating you're a good you know partner you're a good parent you're doing all this inner work and you just and, happen to want a full head and then on top too. of it you're just like but fuck it it's just gonna I'm just gonna feel better if I like get this. I don't know. Maybe th maybe that's cool. I do know. I mean, the <clears throat> devil's advocate part. Like, I this is mostly women because I guess maybe they more women get plastic surgery. But I know women who have gotten like breast implants or breast reductions, um, different things like that. And like they say that they feel it. It makes them feel really good about themselves. And yeah. That, that that gives them some of maybe some of that swagger that carries over into other yeah. things. I'm sure you could develop it without doing that, but I I understand. I could, it's easy to imagine why that would feel good. Your body's different, and you like it more. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, the the the, the issue. The, I think the bigger issue here is the indecisiveness uh -huh. on the on the individual, and and you know a lot of like so if we go back to like the 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 black and white binary aspect the thing yeah. that i like about um strength training yeah it's like just make a choice yeah like do it and maybe maybe hair plugs are not the next step yeah but honestly get a wig uh -huh. like do something that's less permanent put that on see how you feel yeah right and if, if this is if this is the path this person wants to take then they better fucking own it uh-huh right like own the wig that they're wearing own the hair plugs that they're wearing but don't don't be in between mm -hmm. like not with something like this not right. with something that they're so sensitive about right but they they need to obviously there's part of them that's saying well i should go bald and then there's part of them saying that i don't want to go bald mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's not you know they need to make a decision. I, I think. I think that's 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 what comes. I mean, I kind of like what you're it. saying because I feel like um, just making a decision takes the heaviness out of this. Absolutely. And the the point is that he's feeling like a, a weight around this baldness issue, and it's like he could he could get rid of the weight by just embracing the baldness. Maybe he could get rid of the weight by by saying, "Fuck it, I'm going to get hair plugs. It's not that big of a deal." And just do it or wear whatever it is, but like, yeah. but not agonizing over it. And, yeah. you know, but, but I do think like it's the, the folly up. is like, don't, don't delude yourself into thinking that like, uh, that something like hair plugs is going to actually like solve Anyways. a problem <laughs> for you. That's why I say get away. But that's also the mess of social media. Yeah. So I know, I know that there's like tons of commercials out there, like pushing, you know, like saying that, that, that our American definition of virility yeah. is a full flowing head of hair. Right. Right. And, and saying like, if you're not, then you're, you're a half man. Mm -hmm. 
And that's that's bullshit because that has nothing to do with it. And so this person probably is kind of falling into that as well, because outside of that, like it, without without knowing, like if, if say this person wasn't aware of hair plugs. Right. What would they do? Yeah. Would they like do? would they tape like leaves to their head or something? Just to cover <laughs> like I don't like that's my that's the point. They would probably just go bald. Yeah. yeah. What did people do 100 years ago before right. their hair plugs? I mean, right. they would wear like hair pieces or whatever, but. It's like one way or the other, but I think that this person, like, you know, and this this is me going back to, like, tough love. And, yeah. you know, one of the things I like about being a strength coach, again, is that, you know, I don't share somebody else's ego. So uh-huh. I can kind of, like, state it the way I see it. Yeah. And it's like, this person has too much time right now. <laughs> it's, like, it's too much time to be considering this. I understand it's a very personal thing, but make a commitment. Make yeah. a decision. Like there's certain there's plenty of things this person can do that are reversible at this point before they jump right to yeah. something like more permanent like hair plugs. What about getting here here's another one though, in terms of the the question of like a permanent yeah. alteration that maybe isn't that big of a deal, but like it doesn't look like you have any tattoos. Do you have any tattoos, Avi? No, I can't. So I don't have any tattoos either, but like I mean I don't have a problem with people who get tattoos, but um but but it does seem to me like um I don't know. That is a permanent alteration of of your body. It's a big commitment to a, a certain. Thing. Although I found that most of the people I know who have tattoos, like they don't really care about what a big. It's people like us who are like that's a big commitment that don't get tattoos. The people who get them are like, this is cool. I like it. Whatever. And then they. Move but that's because you know we're going from like zero tattoos to one tattoo. Yeah. That's the hardest thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. And I've seen that where people, you know, like like they'll get their head stippled so it looks like they always have. A little bit of shadow uh-huh. on their head, uh-huh. and you know, I've seen plenty of women who, like, you know, they, they call it microblading now, but it's really just eyebrow tattoos, uh-huh. you know, right, and, right, and right. having that, like, again, that's something that, that somebody can do, but I'm also about kind of lower maintenance as well, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know, make a commitment. Go one, just well, well, not even make a commitment. How about just make a decision? Uh huh. Right? Like, let, like you don't even have to commit to anything, but but decide to go in a direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Decide, like, 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 get rid of the get. You rid seem of the really waffling. open to like the experiment with something. Try it out. Yeah. See, and like, yeah, but take that next step. Otherwise, yeah. you're always going to be wondering. Yeah. Always going to be wondering, like, should I have done this or should I not? Mm-hmm. But I, I think that I, you know, my my only thing is like. You start down the path of hair plugs. It's expensive, yeah, and and you can't, you know. I don't know if you can reverse them. I don't know if you can unplug the hair um, once you have it put in. (laughs) But that just it just seems to be involved. And like I said, there are many other uh, other steps this person can take. Can see if you like how you feel. Shave your head. Yeah. Yeah. Put yourself out on a dating site, whatever whatever it is, and and see if you get any hits. I think it's a good. general piece of advice not just to this guy but to all of our questioners is make a decision because i think like the worst feeling ever is to be perseverating and like just wondering about what to do and being stuck in a place of wondering about what to do i think like making decisions constantly is a much better place to be in because the worst that can happen is when you make a decision is that it was a bad decision and then you fucking start over and make a different decision the real advice there is more like be okay with making the wrong decision and be okay with failure yeah and and definitely be okay with success usually at the end we ask people is um is there a piece of advice that someone has given you that you hold on to that um that meant something to you or or that you just think is good advice yeah 
Yeah, I've got I've got one. Um, when when I was when I when when things were falling apart for me, I had uh, you know I had a like I I've always had mentors, mm-hmm. and so you know one mentor you know we would talk on the phone, and I'd be like, "This is horrible. I'm I feel like I'm dying. I don't know what's going on." Right, and you know he he would just simply say, "This too shall pass," and mm-hmm. I know that's not for him. Like he didn't originate that. Right. You know, it's, I've looked it up, and I think it. It's like goes back to Sufi poetry, which kind of uh-huh. falls in with some of my kind of Eastern <laughs> philosophy. But uh-huh. you know, the thing is, it's like everything's temporary. Yeah, and and so you know, hey, that guy's baldness will pass right. <laughs> one way or another. <laughs> but but for me, like no matter how tough something feels, yeah, no matter how awful it is, it's gonna pass. And at the same time, no matter how good something feels, right. it will pass too. Yeah. And like once you start to kind of uh, appreciate the ephemeral nature of life and things that are happening around you, it makes it much easier to navigate. You know, so, so things are going tough. Like, you know, I'll tell my athletes that as well. Like when they're competing and they feel like, you know, or they're training and they feel miserable and they feel like nothing, it's like, this is going to pass. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is going to pass and it's going to be replaced with something else. Yeah. So either be in the moment, enjoy it, appreciate it, acknowledge it, whatever it is, right. and, 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 and let it go and just be ready for the next thing. Don't let any one particular thing define you. It is, I think that is um, important and, and just like universally applicable advice because um, just the, the worst place to be in <clears throat> is a hopeless place where you just are convinced that the shit won't pass. Yeah, that's right? <laughs> what everyone's afraid of. Yeah, and it's uh, gonna be the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah, and and it's so easy to just slip into that thinking, you know, especially when you're in a bad situation. Oh, I mean, yeah. although I think I I actually I mean I'm glad you said uh, the part about even when you're in a good place it's gonna pass because yeah. like for example with with little kids. Um, the best piece of advice I ever got about parenting was a very similar piece of advice. He said, uh, the, a friend of my dad said, um, everything with little kids is a phase, even the good stuff. Right. <laughs> and it made me realize that like when I get too, like if my kid is sleeping really well and I yeah. get too comfortable, yeah. uh, I start tricking that, myself into yeah, thinking, really Oh, attached. it's going to be chill like yeah. this forever. My life is so easy, <laughs> <Yeah>. whatever. <laughs> it's going to be like a smooth ride from here on out. And then it's so disappointing when like, it goes there is back. There's no to like mountaintop, I guess is another way. Like you're not going anywhere like there's no final place it's just you things shift yeah yeah i mean look it i think it's important to point yourself in a direction yeah and then it's important to assess your your path and yeah. you, to assess the steps you're taking and make sure that you're still heading in that same direction but along the way it's just a series of things that happen <laughs> right and it's how you decide to interact with those things that happen yeah. i think is is how you define yourself yeah. and how you see yourself and how others see yourself as well because if if i pin myself on my possessions and on my belongings on on money on things like that then then i would feel miserable right and if i pin myself on certain successes and then they pass then i would feel washed up yeah. right and but but each thing, I just try to, you know, um, pull as much enjoyment and, and kind of learn from from everything I do, and it just it it, fr- it frankly makes things a lot more tenable mm-hmm. in life. When when you were in that situation of of living out of a, a storage container, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, having lost everything, mm-hmm. and your friend, your mentor said this sh- this too shall pass. Did you believe it or was there a party that was like, yeah, that's easy for you to say, I'm in this 
horrible situation or like no, were I, you able I to did, let that sink I in? did because you know what I was like you know I can't sink any lower yeah I mean honestly at that point it's like certain like certain decisions were made I mean there there was a point where you know we were we were like you know when we had to get out of our, our apartment and we didn't know that we had to like we we misunderstood and then it was like oh you know we can't stay there at all and then we had to like just grab an air mattress and go to the gym right and then start living there and you know it was you know it, it it's it's like at that point it's like okay now now we don't have to worry about that now things are actually a lot lighter mm-hmm. now now <laughs> you know it's like it's kind of tending to look at at the other side of things yeah. and then now like this is a cool cha- like i actually saw it as a cool challenge for me to claw my way back up out of this mm-hmm. right it was a lot worse like what like there was a point when things like when when things hit their apex of 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 kind of just being really bad like after after that apex passed i you know i went home and you know i took a 4 hour nap mm-hmm. like there was so much burden that was off of my chest because you know what it's done like yeah. I'm not trying to hold on to something at this point. And so it was very liberating. You know, I think I think that's where people like are, you know, these days fighting to to be minimalist or kind of just to to have these simple lives. Yeah. You know, because there's too much stress, too much burden trying to hold on, on people. To yeah, yeah, way too much trying to like hold on to yourself, trying to be what you're not, whatever it is. Like I'm much more comfortable these days. You know, I don't, I don't advocate this, right? This is not necessarily the process, the, 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 the thing, but, but I, I think, you know, hey, it's, it's my, it's, it's, it's my life, and this is how I've, I've grown from it. All right, everyone, that's it for our show this week. Uh, as always, if you have a question, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to put your question up on the show. You can uh, email it to us at heymanpod at gmail You can also leave us a voicemail if you're brave 917-426-4326 we can put it up on the air if you just want us to transcribe it and not use your voice let us know that's fine too but i think i think it would mean a lot to other people to hear from a a real person instead of just hearing us read read your words so think about it you can Find us on Instagram or Twitter. Much more active right now on Instagram than Twitter, but hopefully going to change that soon at HeyManPod. And uh, could you just take a moment, please, like right now, or finish listening to me, and then right after, uh, we could, we'd really appreciate it. If you like the show, give us a five-star review. If you don't like the show, give us a five-star review because someone else might like the show and that would help them find it. Uh, and we'd really appreciate it. And all of these podcast sites, their algorithms, that's how it works. Um, a review, uh, written words would mean a lot too. Um, don't just keep your good feelings to yourself. Share it with the world. Thanks so much and have a great week.